Xavier is dead. Apocalypse reigns. This is the Age of Apocalypse. Welcome to Power of X-Men Apocalypse, the podcast where we review every single issue of the classic reality-warping, high-octane, epic X-Men crossover event known as Age of Apocalypse. I'm your co-host, Dayspring. I'm your other co-host, the irreplaceable Mr. Scott Free. (laughs) And we are on Chapter 2 of our read, X-Factor, Issue 108, titled Promised Vengeance by John Francis Moore and Todd DeZago with art by Jan Garissima. Yes! And what an issue it is. It is. And, you know, glad we're doing this this week. It's in the U.S. It's the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, so to our American listeners, uh, happy Thanksgiving. For Canadian listeners, your Thanksgiving was last month, so sorry. And <laughs> to uh, everybody else, enjoy. And uh, <laughs> I, I, have, I have a question for you, Paul. Who, if you were having Thanksgiving dinner and you could invite two X-Men, who are the ones that you would want the most and who are the ones that you want the least to be there? Oh man, the two I would want the most for Thanksgiving. My God, that's such a great question. You know what? I, I would love Scott and Jean, but that's like a safe bet. Like, you know, they're going to come yeah. over with side dishes and it's going to be a very pleasant Thanksgiving experience. So I, I don't roll like that. I like high drama, arguing at the table. Everyone leaves angry and drunk. So I'm going to say Rogan Gambit, especially 90s era Rogan Gambit. Because if they bring anything, it's going to be store-bought from like the bodega on the corner. And Gambit is just going to be pounding those drinks. Same with Rogue. And they're fucking going to like get into a fight of whatever drama they have going on. Like they're going to bring up Belladonna and I'm all here for that Belladonna like drama. And you're just going to be there awkwardly looking at them. And then Jeff and I will look like the normal stable couple next to them. So right there, Rogue and Gambit. <laughs> my, my answer is in a similar vein. I was going to say Havoc and Polaris. <laughs> um, and, and just like, you know, like you could, I can do whatever because they're going to be like arguing and they're going to go fuck in the bathroom <laughs> and then they're going to come back. She's going to cry. He's going to cry. They're going to bring disgusting food and it's going to be great. You know how they cannot cook. So <laughs> well, who, who would you want the least to show up to your Thanksgiving? The least that I would want to show up to my Thanksgiving. Well, I mean, because of this issue, the first person that comes to mind is Mystique. She'll try to like murder us. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know who I really would be intimidated by having at my storm, you know? So in that way, I wouldn't want storm there just because I'd be like, holy fuck, anything I do is not going to be good enough for this goddess. And I would be like shaking as like I serve any like dishes or stuff like that. Because well, she'd be like, oh, you know, the winds have brought me these potatoes <laughs> and you have to like eat the potatoes that like, you don't want the potatoes. <laughs> and it would taste so good. And you'd be like, well, Storm thanks everything here. But no, I love Storm to death, would be so intimidated to have her sitting at my dining room. I just, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be a very pleasant evening for me. I'd just be really nervous and drunk and be like, putting my foot in my mouth in everything I say. 
Right. I I would I would probably say Charles and <laughs> Eric, just because there's going to be some like shady shit. Like the tur they like they know that the tur the turkeys lived like ten times, and this is the <laughs> this is the tenth attempt to get the turkey right, and uh, you know everybody gets the legacy virus from the turkey or something. Oh my God. <laughs> So I, I just, I want like nothing but respect for, you know, their fight, their struggle, Charles and Magneto. <laughs> Don't want them there though. Don't want them there. You, and, and, and piggybacking off of what you were saying about Polaris, I, God, Polaris would just sit there and talk about Magneto the entire time. I just, yeah. Any, anyone from the house of M just like would be too much drama for me. And, and, but, and like not fun drama yeah like serious trauma that like you guys need like a family counselor yeah and that's not my job so <laughs> you guys deal with that at your own house please although an honorable mention to have at my at my table would definitely be mr sinister by the way sidebar yeah he, like you would have a would, good time he would be fun he'd be like swabbing the inside of your glass though <laughs> occasionally um, i'll be like, like I mean, don't like, ask questions. Don't ask questions. I'd be like, yes, make a clone of me, please. Thank you. Yeah. It's um, great. <laughs> you know? And I'm pretty sure he'd like murder someone, like, and steal their side dish and like bring it to your table. Like, I'm 100% down with that. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't ask what the meat is. In the <laughs> like... Oh, man. That was a fun question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In X News this week, before we dive into X Factor number 108, we should mention that last week we interviewed Eric and Julia Leewald. And you know what? We, we can actually pat ourselves on the back because it did get picked up by a couple news sources and it one did. of them being Bleeding Cool News. It was it was a ton of fun. Uh, they were really fun guests. Um, and it's, it's gotten some like positive feedback. And you know, like, I'm excited for the revival they're excited clearly other people are excited yeah the interview listener is up right now on youtube and all podcast platforms and in it they discuss what we can sort of expect from the anime series on disney plus they don't give any spoilers but they do say that we can expect a more adult show because they don't have fox kids hovering over them saying like is that good for saturday morning cartoons and I think they, the only thing they probably mentioned story-wise, I think it's, it takes place a few months after the original ending, which isn't so shocking yeah. because the title of the show is literally X-Men 97. So yeah. a couple of months after that last episode where Xavier goes off into Shi'ar space with Lalandra. Yep. Getting that space booty call. So. <laughs> Get that space booty call. You know, otherwise, uh, beyond that, like the X Lives and X Deaths of Wolverine by Ben Percy and art by Joshua Cassara and Federico Vincentini. That's moving ahead. So for you Logan fans, uh, get ready for a lot of Logan. So is it X Lives and X Deaths or is it 10 Lives and 10 Deaths? Have they confirmed it either way? I don't think they've confirmed no. it either way. Um, I just default to like X, but it might be 10 because, you know, with, uh, many... with, with in, yeah, in the age of Moira, there's 10, <laughs> 10 timelines, possibly 11 if she does it right. 
<laughs> yeah, I I forgot. I used to say powers of X, but it's powers of 10. And many moons ago, Jordan D. White confirmed that on, on, on an Instagram comment. But with this one, I mean, I guess like that's the entire point of these titles, the, the double yeah. pun. It can be X or Ted. And I look, the trailer looked really good. Marvel is promising this is, you know, the biggest Wolverine story of all time. Ah, you know, let wait and see to see how, you know, how that plays out. But I guess, is it going to follow? It, they're supposed to be interwoven in the same way the Hoxpox was. But are they going to follow the 10 lives and, and, and 10 deaths? of wolverine in those moira lives or are these going to be separate new lives um it'll be interesting <laughs> to see like which direction they go in because obviously you know logan does play a big part in some of the various moira timelines so it would be interesting if they went that route um we'll see yeah, let's let, let, let's wait and see but you know the trailer was interesting it dropped randomly on what was it? Friday, Friday, yeah. Friday. I was in LA and I woke up to like a notification from Marvel tweeting it. I was like, wasn't expecting this. And there it was. And no, I, I, I'm into it. I, in my older age, I have come to appreciate Wolverine a lot more than probably when I was a kid, when I was like, Oh, he's oversaturated. Wolverine is everywhere, which he was, yeah. but I've come to appreciate him as a character and understand why he resonates with so many readers and people out there yeah he um he's much more than just like sort of like an edgelord kind of you know the claws popping and i'm so angry bub like there's there's, <laughs> there's a lot of uh you know, kidding aside there is a lot of depth and like nuance and it's like an interesting he's always an interesting character when he's at the center of things so it'll be good, be good. yeah and the preview pages show him putting on like the Cerebro helmet. I mean, like, yeah. does that mean he's going to download his other lives in the same way that Xavier and Emma were able to read Moira's lives, you know, mind and like get all of their lives or lives. Yeah. So I wonder if that's what they're going to do with Wolverine or version of that. But I don't know, you know, wait and see, you know, it, it comes out in January X lives and X deaths or 10 lives and 10 deaths of Wolverine this January. And let's see where they go with it. The other thing coming out this week on Disney Plus is Hot Guy. And it premieres on the 24th, which is Wednesday. Yeah, I think it's Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so lost in time. But um, actually, I went to the premiere with Michelle yes. Waffle Otero. I saw the first two episodes. I'm not going to give any spoilers here, but it's fun. I don't think it's as interesting as WandaVision where you're kind of thrown in there and you're like, what's happening next? But it's definitely better, in my opinion, better than Falcon, the Winter Soldier, Loki, and What If. Ooh. So I would rank it number two right now based off of the first two episodes. And Scott, that opening scene, I actually wanted to DM you about it. The opening scene, it's going to open up and you're going to be like, oh, okay. But then you're going to see something. You'll be like, oh, they're going to go there with this scene and they go there and it's interesting and it's fun. And then the next scene, I don't want to give it away. Well, it's in the trailers. The next scene will be the Broadway show of, of Steve, the musical, yeah. but there is so much depth in that, that you're not even going to see coming until it happens. You'll be like, Oh, that makes sense that he would be seeing it like this. 
did, did they recreate the scene from uh, Fractions and David Aja's run where he's, he's naked and jumping across <laughs> the, the bed? It's so, not in there yet. Oh, well, I'm, I'm not invested then. I, no, but yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and, you know, I, I loved, I really enjoyed Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, it was a little more grounded than uh, WandaVision or Loki. And those mm-hmm. I both also enjoyed. So it'll be interesting for me to see like this as a more grounded um, series than like where it goes. Yeah, it's, how, how do you rank the Disney Plus shows? Uh, for me, Loki, uh, Loki, Falcon, Winter Soldier, and then WandaVision. Um, not Wait, because Wanda isn't on top for you. <laughs> no, um, not, not, not because um, I, I, I enjoyed WandaVision. I just think it loses a little steam towards the end. Agreed. And the end, the ending wasn't satisfying for me, but you know, the premise was, was great and everything. And I, I kind of like how they've gotten in now into the mode of like, you have a really high concept show like WandaVision followed by something more grounded, like um, Falcon Winter Soldier, and then something bigger concept like Loki again, and now something a little more, you know, lower or low key. So yeah, it, it was it was good. And I'm, I'm excited to see what this sets up next. Yeah, this is very grounded. This is extremely grounded and it's very character driven. It's very focused on Kate Bishop, Haley Steinfeld's character. She absolutely kills it. She's really funny. I can see her carrying a franchise like the Young Avengers because I I think it's pretty clear that they're setting up the Young Avengers over on Disney Plus. So she can can definitely carry a franchise. Renner is a game on this. He's really funny and it does follow the Matt Fraction comic in terms of tone. I, I haven't read the Matt Fraction comic in a couple of years. I love the Matt Fraction comic. I was obsessed with it, especially it came out during after I read Fraction's X-Men run. I was like, uh, oh. I don't know. I'm a little nervous to read this because, you know, Fraction is a great writer, but I think writing the X-Men takes a certain talent and his run wasn't well received back in the day, but it's, it's a great comic. I think it captures a tone. The, the tracksuit, bros mafia is yeah. in it. that's in the trailers good. and they're, they're they're prominent in the first two episodes it's good it's it's really fun and the premiere michelle waffle Dero, uh invited me to go kevin feige was there renner was there Haley steinfeld was there the entire cast was there everyone was just really excited the entire audience was like cheering the theme was ugly sweater so you had to wear your ugly Christmas sweater and um, I stole your boy Cyclops and I, I put that. on Cyclops visors for it. And everyone saw like me and Michelle, they're like Cyclops and Jean. I was like, the X-Men aren't dead. We're representing them on this red carpet at the MCU yeah. event. That, I mean, that's the way to do it. Like, <laughs> you went in there, you had a job and you did it. So congratulations. <laughs> but it's it's fun. It's fun. I, I have to see, I guess it's six episodes. I saw the first two. Let's see how it all pans out. But it's not bad by any means. You're gonna go in. I don't see it being I don't see it dividing fandom. I think most fans will will like it. Because it's a holiday story in New York. That's that's what it is at the core of it. 
And the other thing that uh, dropped this past week was the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, uh, which has been a little divisive among fans. Some people were, I mean, there's, there's fans criticizing it because they didn't see uh, Toby and Andrew and they're still saying, oh, they're not in it. And it's like, yeah, everybody kind of knows they're in it. Um, people, some people were criticizing the, the uh, FX work, which seemed a little spotty in some places. And, but you know, it's also, it's a new Spider-Man movie. So people are excited about it. And we saw some of the Sinister Six. We saw Dr. Ock. Kids make fun of his name, which is a little weird. But um, yeah, it was, I, I, I still don't know how I feel about it. I'm still kind of processing it. I, so the VFX looking kind of spotty, they actually looked good to me when I was seeing it, but Grace Randolph over at Beyond the Trailer, who has been dragged to filth on, on Twitter about this, has mentioned that the FX team is working like seven days a week to get this this movie ready because they just don't have time to finish the, the, the special effects. And, you know, she goes on to say that the reason why is because these movies now, it's it's they're partially animated with the VFX. There's a lot of animation and VFX that goes into this versus movies a couple of years ago with blockbusters and the studios aren't building in a lot of time. So I 100% agree. I think you look at the first trailer, there's some differences in the shots that we'll get later on. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure the VFX is probably on a crunch schedule. And that we know that's why Doctor Strange 2 was pushed back also because of the reshoots. But you know, the, the trailer looked fine to me. I worry that the reason they didn't show Andrew or Toby is because that is your big third act surprise and there's nothing else. Like, yeah. we're not going to get like Spider-Gwen or something like that. That, that. That's sort of like Emma Stone as Spider-Gwen. That's sort of fine. I, I think just having all three Spider-Man assemble is big enough. But you know, I, I did find it curious with all the leaks. It's sort of an open secret now. We're seeing Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield at like GQ events hugging, which we haven't seen before. Yeah. You know, we've had Twitter leaks of like some guy who was delivering pizza being like that asshole from Spider-Man, you know, was really rude to me. And, and he was in Atlanta. So we all know they're going to be on there. And I just wish Sony wouldn't be coy about it. It makes me nervous that they are coy about it. Because again, I think that's just going to be our big surprise. And I think 75% of the audience going in is going to expect them. Yeah, like, like I don't think it's like the leap Charlie Cox is in it as Matt Murdock in some capacity. There's at least a scene where he was with um, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Holland's Peter Parker and like, one of the things people were analyzing with the trailer was there's a scene where like the lizard is jumping and he's clearly getting like kicked or hit by something but they've edited it out and it's like i mean who is that supposed to be like it's probably you know one of the other two spider-men and it's just he just sort of turns like he's been kicked in the face or something it's like oh okay yeah i see what you did there the way they edited them out of Civil War, you know, they made the edits to Civil War and that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. I, I, I'm not too upset about it, nor is it, you know, something that's going to be a deal breaker for me. But I wonder if it's going to live up to the hype because all of a sudden No Way Home has turned into like the Spider-Man's like endgame and, and people are expecting yeah. big things out of it. And I wonder if it's going to deliver an endgame level event. 
time will tell. Uh, time <laughs> will tell. I, I am I'm most excited about seeing Charlie Cox as uh, Matt Murdock Daredevil again. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm invested in this this movie for. So everything else is just kind of like a bonus to me. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. If it was me, I would probably hire She-Hulk as opposed to Daredevil. Um, just because there's less likely, you know, I'm less likely to lose with um, She-Hulk. But, you know, he's, he's, he's good. He's good at what he does. He just has a tendency to uh, fall afoul of, like, ethics. <laughs> and ethics are important. Um, so, go ethics. <laughs> so, Charlie Cox... Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are all three rumored to be in Spider-Man No Way Home. They did not appear in this trailer. I wonder if we'll get other surprises like Kirsten Dunst or Gwen Stacy as portrayed by Emma Stone. Let's see. I mean, I'd be curious to see how all of that plays out. I want to say I have faith in Marvel, but I know after Eternals, it was very divisive amongst fans. Let's see. I I don't. I'm not wild about the Spider-Man movies. I I like the Andrew Garfield ones the best. I don't think Tom Holland is doing a bad job by any means, and I love Zendaya as MJ. But I the actual plot of the movies haven't really gone there for me just yet. Yeah, I I haven't been a big fan of the standalone Spider-Man movies, but for similar reasons. And yeah, we'll see. I'm cautiously optimistic about this one but it also it's trying to stick in a lot so that can be a little rough all right now we'll jump into x factor number 108 promised vengeance which is a little on the nose for this issue subtle it's very subtle (laughs) very subtle but to give a general episode summary Following the events of X-Men Unlimited Issue 4, Forge recreates Mystique's death using mental images from Rogue and Nightcrawler's memories. Because apparently Jean and Emma and Xavier were too busy to help with this high-level investigation of the apparent death of one of the world's most deadly assassins. So they were just too busy with their new sign over at the school. But regardless, Forge doesn't believe Mystique is actually dead dead with good reason, but Nightcrawler and Rogue are like, no, she's dead. (laughs) And it's like, okay. But thankfully, Nick Fury shows up, basically confirming Forge's theory when he shows security footage of Mystique posing as Mavis Fane, executive assistant at the Israeli embassy in New York City. And with the help of Val Cooper, they are able to surmise that Mystique is on her way to Tel Aviv to assassinate Legion because he murdered Mystique's wife, Destiny, back in Uncanny X-Men issue 255. A showdown between X-Factor and Mystique does in fact ensue at the hospital where Legion is being treated, only to end with Legion waking up saying he's been expecting Mystique. This is like, an, it's an interesting issue just because you get a lot of the mystique and destiny dynamic before it's explicitly stated that they were, you know, married. Um, this is still the mid nineties. So some of the tone knowing now what we know is like, Oh, okay. I see what they were, they were going for here. She's like very distraught by the death of her friend. 
destiny and it's like it's 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 interesting knowing what we know now that like oh yeah she's really worked up because legion killed her wife and it's sort of written that way without them explicitly coming out and saying it i thought it hit a really good notes with mystique and mystique's personality where she is she is out for vengeance she is not going to let some of this crap stand in her way and you see it you know it's still a big note of her personality that we see now with like inferno where it's like she will burn shit down or shoot a guy in a hospital bed um to get payback to get what she wants and um I, it was it was really good on hitting a lot of like the mystique sort of personal notes for me exactly what you just said i was thinking like i wonder if hickman was using the story as sort of a backbone when he was creating inferno because we we've seen we see mystique being very brash and ruthless when it comes to irene and her personality here sort of mirrors what we were seeing in the build-up for inferno back in you know his his x-men i i really like this issue i thought it was a lot of fun I think we're, we're seeing how Mystique's crusade for vengeance sort of plays a role in Age of Apocalypse. And we're going to see Mystique and Irene reunited in Excalibur. I'm forgetting how their relationship was portrayed there. I don't think they were actually in a relationship, but we'll get to that once we get there. But, you know, with this issue, I first of all, I agree. It's You can substitute the word friend for wife. And it would make perfect sense. And I can certainly understand readers back in the 90s being like, oh, wow, she really loves her friend. And like, ding, 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 ding there, which, you know, back in the time, back in the day when this uh, when this issue first published, I mean, you just that that wasn't explicitly stated and you had to read in between the lines. And it's very on the nose here, (laughs) like. There's I mean, no this, mistaking that she is in love with Irene. Yeah, I mean this. This is only two years, three years after North Star came yeah. out, so it's like this is still very early for like explicit LGBT representation in yeah. comics, and this is about as on the nose as you get for like a major character like Mystique. Um, yeah. No, I, I I absolutely agree. It's you know. This was leading the way for characters like Wiccan and Hulkling, this, this very issue. It's just, it's just how it was back in the 90s. I, I mean, it's very upsetting, you know, when you look at it from today's perspective as a reader. But back then, this was groundbreaking, the fact that yeah. they actually went there. So I thought it was really great. Again, if you just substitute the word friend for wife, it works perfectly well. Um, and the art in the issue, I really like too. There's this one scene with Wolfsbane when they're, you know, debriefing about Mystique, the way she's just sitting there, I'm trying to flip to it right here, the way she's just sitting there with her, you know, her hands, you know, and, and her just looking at the side with her ponytail. I thought the art and the color was absolutely wonderful. Like there's, it was a very fluid issue. I, I'm really, really happy with, with the art. The art is is really good it's really solid like some of the early scenes with like kurt and rogue it's very dynamic kurt's got the 90s boy hair where it's like middle part sort of the writer strong hair writer strong hair (laughs) 
and it's it's just it's it's really like dynamic and fluid art and then you know you get like nick fury with the sort of heaving 90s chest and it's really well done yeah i absolutely loved it i mean it's very 90s it's just in your face the colors everything it's it's wonderful. And even the dialogue was so like 90s camp when like Rogue is talking to Forge and she says something to the effect like, I don't care what your virtual reality view master thingy says. I was like, girl, that is awesome. Like, yeah. And, and you know, you, you get appearances from from like Havoc and uh, Strong Guy and like some of Guido's dialogue is just like the most 90s like stuff and i uh it's like oh it's like uh he's talking about like elmer fudd and Bugs <laughs> bunny and it's like it's cultural references cultural references like <laughs> and when he calls alex lex you know with like yeah, the lex. apostrophe i was just like yes this is you just don't get this anymore and i and i appreciate it but you know i think some of like the older comics they suffer from just like an oversaturation of reiterating the plot and dialogue and this was fine you know the, the, i i think in terms of how bad it could be this isn't too bad and if you're coming at this without reading these you know the 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 context of where the story takes place like it's nice to have the refresher on some things but it's good man like i i thought overall like the issue is pretty great and this is obviously setting up Legion Quest. Yes. And and that I, I haven't read Legion Quest in a couple of years. Obviously, we'll get to it very soon. But I remember it sort of starting like right in the midst of things. So this is nice setup for Legion Quest. And you know, another thing is it's a nice tie back to what we read last episode, X-Men 38, where you see Destiny in like the flashbacks and Legion in the hospital bed and stuff and it's like oh and then you see in this mystique you know the living half of the destiny uh mystique relationship going to the same hospital to deal with uh legion and um, it's like oh okay, yeah they're setting something up here and speaking of the last issue because in the legion quest hardcover i was kind of flipping through it I remember when we were talking about like, oh, there's a new sign and name for the school where now it's the Xavier Institute for Higher Learning. The sign is already there in X-Men 38, but it's in Uncanny X-Men 318 where it gets installed by Emma Frost. And it's actually a surprise for her friend, which I, you know, it's Charles. But I'm like, does she change the name of the school without asking Xavier? For, for, for she... tax, pur tax purposes, she changed the name of the school. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. Emma. And I, I, you know, I read the issue and Emma is so salty to the people who are installing it. She's like, you imbeciles, like this costs 12 times more than what I'm paying you. I'm like, Emma, my God, savage. She's, she's yelling at this poor, like, guys who are just trying to do their job and with her fake her fake ass british accent and <laughs> it's, it's great it's it's classic emma frost it's classic emma frost but now i understand as i was reading you know this issue now paired with last one i one of my main criticisms about the legion quest hardcover is like they're including issues that don't seem to have any relevance to legion quest or age of apocalypse and um this you know this issue obviously is a continuation of X-Men Unlimited 4, 
which is yes. where Nightcrawler and Rogue find out that Mystique is Nightcrawler's mother. So that's why it's collected in the Legion hardcover. And also that issue of Uncanny X-Men 318 because that's where Emma gets the sign installed. So it all connects. Yeah. So fair, fair on the people who put this hardcover together. They're right. I was just being bratty when I was like, why are these issues here? They just want to fill up a hardcover. It's like, no, it actually all connects. So, oh, you know, it, it, it takes a lot to admit when you're wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, why don't we dive into the issue and we'll do our breakdown. The, the issue starts with like a lot of greater dark home family gatherings uh, with somebody being shoved off of a waterfall. <laughs> and um, it, it, it begins with a, a flashback to, um, we were just talking about, uh, was it on X-Men Unlimited 4, where Mystique seemingly dies uh, falling off of waterfall. And this is actually a device that Forge built that allows them to somehow revisit and re-see uh, Rogue's memories of the event. And like, I, I, I don't know like why Forge, Forge is a little detached from like the fact that this is really traumatizing for both like Kurt and Rogue to see Ms. their mother just like get, you know, yeeted off a waterfall. Uh, appropriate but like so they they're they're revisiting this they see it and it's it's like you can see in the art that this is very traumatic for rogue on like the second page the bottom panels it sort of close close up of her face and it's like you can see that this is like traumatic for her because you know this is a woman who she considered her mother and essentially and she's watching her die again not only is she watching her die again, like, but Forge is pulling that memory out of her and displaying it in front of him and Nightcrawler, and she has to relive it. And I agree, like her eyes in there. I actually didn't pick up on the eyes until you mentioned it. Like, yeah, they're kind of glossed over and like her mouth is a little open. Like she's having a hard time reconciling the fact that Mystique is dead. And, and later on in the scene, Forge will read them to filth saying, oh, you guys are probably thinking that she died because you're somehow subconsciously protecting her because you don't want to see the woman who is your mother, you know, in cuffs and in prison. And I was like, damn Forge, like Xavier Institute for Higher Learning needs to hire like an HR person to teach you how to speak to people because that was just rough man uh, like these these are people these aren't like a mid 90s gateway computer or whatever he's used to working on like these are <laughs> these are flesh and blood people and like they have forge come off as just really like cold um in a way that like i i didn't expect um because like generally forge is written a little more human nowadays but a little more like compassionate and it's like this is just like he's very like to the point yeah but you know also like this is coming off of the fact that forge just told storm that he doesn't want to get married to her and yes. you'll remember that scene where she falls on the ground she goes i was gonna say yes <laughs> and forge just like walked out 
And in that issue, I think this is where Mystique is acting mentally unstable, which gets referred to here in this issue. And it was Uncanny X-Men 289 through 290. And Forge is leaving this relationship with Storm and investing now all of his like emotion in making sure Mystique is fine. So I feel like in this, the way I'm kind of reading the scene with like Forge, Nightcrawler and Rogue is that he is just so focused on Raven because he has so much emotional baggage dating back to what happened with Storm. And also he wanted to fix Raven, who again was purposely acting mentally unstable. Like I, I skinned the issue before we, we, we jumped on. She was pretending to be like Warren to Warren so he can help like deal with his like archangel persona and then she's like pretending to be a dancer saying that her father is going to get angry if she doesn't go to dance lessons and Ford is like really walking her through it so he spent some significant time with raven that he thought was quality but actually she was pulling a fast one on him yeah a a a several fast ones (laughs) all woven together into like one big giant web of like fast ones which is the mystique like like mo and you know we but to go back to like the scene you know the next on page uh four you get rogue you know pointing like right at forge and saying just like oh come on like you're um you're telling me that like what i saw was like mystique what well, didn't happen that like mystique survived and that she was just like you know i i, I shouldn't trust my eyes and forge is basically just like yeah, I mean, your mom was like, is a crazy, deceptive, manipulative, you know, manipulator. And she might be trying to play a fast one on you. And like Rogue is like legitimately pissed that like Forge is like saying this. It's like, my mom just died. And now you're saying that she actually is just like faking her death. Um, and, you know, now I'm not going to get the insurance money. Because, like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mystique has racked up some good insurance over the years. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. she's mm, under one of her many, many aliases. She's not leaving it to Kurt. I mean, she threw him <laughs> off a waterfall. So. <laughs> but the best part was when Forge says, maybe you're protecting her. You may not want to see her in prison for her crimes or possibly she's hurt you so much emotionally it's easier for you to simply believe she's dead and rogue's face just cracks and she's you're like that's enough forge i'm out of here and storms out with nightcrawler i mean that was just so painful like to to read because like forge went there i mean he read the situation and you know i i think he was on it he was dead on and actually everything he says is exactly what happened and like Mystique was doing and like one of the things with this scene is it's actually it's in Georgetown uh, in DC because this is with X-Factor so they're working with the government at this point and when it opens it's like yeah X-Factor is Georgetown like headquarters you know, I lived in DC for a little bit. I don't remember there being buildings this big in Georgetown, but uh, it's good to have like Charles Xavier money and <laughs> federal government money too. <laughs> and then, you know, like Rogue and Nightcrawler leave um, 
and then Nick Fury, classic Nick Fury bursts in while Forge is still there. Still and like it's it's classic pre-Samuel Jackson Nick Fury. He's smoking because you can smoke in buildings at that point and like he's smoking um, a cigar. He just walks in smoking a cigar. Yeah. You would never get that. I, I, I remember the change in editorial was in Here Comes Tomorrow with Grant Morrison and Mark Silvestri. Wolverine initially in that first issue was supposed to be smoking a cigar and they edit that out. And, and I remember seeing that in the preview pages and they've been very, they're very, very uh, strict about having characters smoke now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a, uh, it's a bit of a throwback is, you know, like, especially Nick Fury's from 67, 68 Kirby stuff. And it's, it's trippy psychedelic stuff where he's a spy, but he's also, he's, he's literally smoking like every single panel and issue. And it's like, yeah, you can't really, really do that um, anymore. But, you know, Colonel, Colonel Fury shows up and he's like, that's where you're wrong, Cooper. And everybody else is like, Nick Fury, we <laughs> didn't sense you sneaking into the room because you're America's number one super spy or something. <laughs> and that's where yeah. he's here, like, I got footage from the Israeli embassy in New York that shows a one executive assistant, Mavis Fane, in one room and then her in another room. And what Mavis is doing and in, in the actual Mavis is getting a cup of Joe. <laughs> and that's literally what Nick Fury says. The other one, she's approving travel for a Mr. John Bloom. And does that name ring a bell? And Val Cooper's like, oh, my God, that's Avalanche. And, and like Nick Fury clearly knew this. And you think he could have just like jumped to the point and been like, yeah, she was arranging stuff for like Avalanche, not, hey, does that sound familiar to you, doll or whatever people talk like? And yeah, and it's like, it's Mystique. She's pretending to be a secretary at the embassy. Okay, but Mavis Fane is like a Golden Girls like icon here. Like she's got the short gray hair, the big earrings, like a bow tie and like a jacket with like a pencil skirt and she's got to be like 75 years old like yeah girlfriend is dressing and i can't believe mystique is abusing this poor woman's like security clearance could get her in trouble and fired and mavis is just like look i'm just waiting for my retirement to kick in i'm just doing my job i'm just getting coffee with this person in like the you know the kitchenette here in the office like why you got to be fucking with me mystique like this woman did nothing to no one yeah She's just, she's talking to her coworker about Seinfeld or something. <laughs> she's like, did you catch the latest episode of Seinfeld? Yeah, because it's 1993. It's new. Um, and they're- yeah, Must and, see TV. Must, must see TV. Yeah, kids, this was before streaming when you had to wait a whole week before the next episode of a show. And you had to watch it with commercials. Yeah. And if you uh, missed it, you didn't see it again for until reruns. No, simpler times. Simpler times. Uh, and then it, it, the story cuts to that night uh, in Alexandria warehouse on the Potomac. And it's Avalanche sneaking around and he's caught by a strong guy, Guido, and uh, Havoc, uh, Alex Summers, who are just like waiting there. 
for him. I enjoyed this because I am pro strong guy. I always love strong guy content. Uh, they do not use him enough anymore. And they're, they call out Avalanche. They're like, oh, you're here for just like freelance activities, AKA working uh, for and with uh, Mystique, um, who is clearly not dead. And uh, Avalanche basically tells them to like F off and uh, they start shooting because that's how Havoc does. And um, it kind of goes balls up because that's also what Havoc does. And... <laughs> Havoc is a total himbo in this scene when he like sees uh, Avalanche. He's here like, that's too bad. Dom, you know, on the way down here, Guido and I kicked around the idea of playing good cop and bad cop with you, but neither one of us wanted to be the good cop. So I guess like, I was just like, what are you saying here? Like Alex Summers, but I really, I I just want to note that Avalanche's costume here is so 90s. Like his entire face and body is covered in like this purplish, like spandex. And then he's got like, this helmet and like the big silver shoulder pads. I'm here for this look. I'm sorry that this look has not endured because he looks so fucking badass here. And I wish it would have been something that we still have seen in, in today's Krakoan age. But well, and, and this is this is like the full classic Alex Summers 80s, 90s <sighs> look with the 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 jacket, like the unnecessary jacket and the the weird helmet that doesn't protect his head just only his like face and it's everything about it great designs i i love that That is x factor havoc that look is probably my favorite alex summers look ever agreed so he so yeah they go toe-to-toe with avalanche and avalanche wins and sneaks off and Guido's like, uh, I guess this is on us. And Alex is like, yeah, Forge is not going to love this. So <laughs> right there, that's just what. Oh, and the art, like Guido is literally crushing Alex. And they make the reference to what you were saying earlier about like Bugs Bunny and like Elmer Fudd, <laughs> like failing, like they're literally on top of each other. And it's like, they, the, the art again is, is, I think this issue is really dynamic and just you can see, you know, on previous page of this one, you know, Guido getting knocked back and, you know, the, the lights smashing and it's just, it's really dynamic, but they, they then return to Forge and they go back to Georgetown the next day and like Forge is just like, oh yeah, it was a like turn into like a fiasco. Good job team. So I guess now we have to, now I got to tell you about like who Gabrielle Heller is, who's like a high ranking Israeli diplomat and, you know, shock Legion's mother. Okay. But when Guido's like, what would Mystique want with a fancy pants aristocrat like her? That is hysterical. And then like Wolfsbane's face when they're like, not her, her son. And Wolfsbane is like, Legion. (laughs) because of course she's got the new mutants baggage with legion yeah uh which is a lot of a lot of baggage they then go briefly into like legion's backstory where he's he's the son of gabriel heller and charles xavier again some of this 
And they talk about like how his powers manifest as a child and his multiple personalities and his three sort of original personalities, Cindy, Jamal, and Jack Wayne. And like, this was how he manifested his various abilities. Because he was traumatized that his godfather, Daniel Shamron, was killed in front of him. And so the way he manifested his powers at an early age, they keep stressing that his powers came at like 10 instead of like traditional, like 14, that that, that's just a shock of that made his powers come out early. And then they manifested in multiple personalities and each personality gets like a power, like pyronetic or pyrokinetic, excuse me. And that's Cindy. Then Jamal is a telepath. And then Jack is a telekinetic. I just thought that was really fascinating and a really unique, you know, power and origin story for a character like Legion. One of the things I, I will say that is a little uh, culturally dated with this is they refer, Cooper refers to him as like, a, as like an autistic mm-hmm. child and they've generally dropped referring to Legion as having been an autistic child simply because we know a lot more now about like autism and autism spectrum disorders and it to me this was just sort of like marvel you the writers using it as just sort of like a broad term and not actual like autism and i think that's just a reflection of the era in which this is from and like not and just the lack of um understanding of like what they were really talking about because they've completely dropped that as part of like legion nowadays and i think that's just uh, more understanding so no i i i had that in my notes too i was like the the conversation uh and dialogue around autism is extremely dated and again the conversations just weren't happening the way they're happening today and we now know much more about autism yeah. and and what it means to be in different levels of it. So yeah, that was that was definitely like uh, kind of cringeworthy when you're reading the dialogue. But you know they, they they're trying to position Legion as like a very unpredictable threat here with multiple personality disorder, and you know the big thing that Mystique is after him for is because he killed Destiny, yeah. and. I love the shot in the art of him like standing over Destiny's like mangled body. Yeah. <laughs> like, they went there with the art, like this old woman just there, like her hand like over her head and then on her stomach. And and I don't believe, I don't think Uncanny X-Men 255, which is where he kills Destiny, I don't believe they actually show the act of her yeah. being killed. It's she just says, hello, Legion. And then that's it, just cuts to her, you know, body being brought by Forge to Mystique and her dying. So this is them in the end scene, which I don't think we'll ever see again. And that uncanny X-Men issue 255 happened in 1989. And this is in like 1994. This issue is written in 1994. So this is six years in real time since Destiny has been dead. So in story, it's very fresh for Mystique and a lot of these characters. But in the real world, this is a plot that happened like six years ago. It's 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 earlier, it, it's, there's enough distance time-wise in the real world where um, it's like you have to think back that, oh yeah, this did actually happen in the late 80s, not 
immediately before this. And yeah, they, they go into how Destiny was part of um, like the Freedom Force with Mystique and um, uh, which is a predecessor of like X Factor and how, um, you know, her close friend and confidant, Destiny, and, you know, pal and confidant. And then they um, talk about how Legion's currently uh, in a coma, essentially, uh, and they believe brain dead at a hospital in um, Tel Aviv. And, like, they start to piece it together that Mystique is probably going there to kill Legion. And I forgot why Legion was in this vegetative state. It's because following the battle with Shadow King, when Shadow King left Legion's mind, it was so catastrophic that it left him in this in this vegetative state. And that happened in X-Factor 70 slash X-Men 280, that battle with Shadow King. So he's still in this, he's been in the state for a while now. Then we moved to a sidewalk cafe in Tel Aviv where a mystique is there looking at her coffee cup saying this is going to be a very sweet revenge sweet and overdue revenge to honor a vow made over the grave of a dear friend and you know in the coffee cup we see a reflection of destiny slash irene as she says having my revenge will be well worth the price and you know, I, I think here it's like, yeah, if you're the reader, you know they they had more than just a friendship. This is something that was romantic and, and Mystique is coming to avenge her wife. And, and well, there were roommates. <laughs> to to avenge her roommate. Yeah. <laughs> Mystique has a freak out and she's like, no, I mustn't get like emotional. I have to stay, stay hard and stay cold and like she's got work to do and this this one she shape changes in the middle of the street which i was like okay bold choice but nobody seems to um to notice and she takes on the shape of like a male like soldier and just goes about her business yeah, and I like how they, I read this first on the Unlimited app, and when you scroll through the, you know, the panels, the way Mystique shapeshifts is actually kind of cool. It looks very animated if you're going through the viewer on the Unlimited or Comixology viewer app. It's, it's, it's done really well, but I'm with you. I was like, did no one notice that this woman just changed into, like, a man right yeah. there in the middle of the street, like, and grew, like, four feet? Yeah, I mean... It's a busy city. People got, people got stuff to do. I don't know. It's a cold city. No one has time to notice things. Yeah. At the hospital where Legion is in his coma, but in the issue before, which takes place before this, Legion did wake up briefly after having visions of destiny. So I guess as one does, you wake up from a coma, you're, you have to go back to bed because it's just, yeah. you're not fully conscious yet. But uh, we get I mean, this... comas are very tiring. You gotta yeah. go. <laughs> it's <laughs> exhausting. <laughs> but we get uh, the perspective of a nurse called Natalie Mir, and she's you know musing to herself about David and how tragic for such a young man like him to have had this terrible thing happen to him. And then she kind of notices movement, and she's like, "Huh." are my eyes playing trick on uh, tricks on me or did he move? And, you know, Natalie is apparently like really good at her job. So she notices little things like this and 
this is, you know, a hint to the reader that Legion is coming out of his coma and, and, or, or maybe he's faking it given where we're at, at the end of the issue. Maybe he's just still pretending. Maybe he woke up in the last issue and now he's just still playing the part of being in a coma. I'm not quite sure. I read it as like, you know, a coma patient comes out of their coma. You know, the, it's a slow process, but you know, regardless, he is, he is awake here. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's also powerful enough as, uh, you know, those various abilities to like, feign being, you know, still in a coma or, you know, fake vital signs or other things. <laughs> Faking um, vitals. <laughs> things like, yeah. Um, but yeah, then we, we get X Factor arriving uh, at the hospital. Uh, it's very subtle with Guido uh, being gigantic and five times the size of anybody else. And uh, Valerie Cooper introduces herself to Gabrielle Heller, who's there. And Gabrielle Heller is like, I, I've told the hospital security. And like, I also don't know why the US government is involved in this. Um, and like, what do you, why are you here? Um, why did you make the trip here? And um, they're all just like, uh, oh, well, you're not going to be able to stop him or you're not going to stop Mystique. And Guido gives like a sidebar about how much he hates hospitals to Wolf's Bane. And it's like, okay, well, yeah. That's, that's, good. that's good to know guido <laughs> thanks he's you're like i hate the smell i hate the lights i hate the sounds i hate the doors i like the nurses i hate the food i hate the beds like okay <laughs> and then like literally wolf spain's response is you poor dear <laughs> yeah and he's and he's just like all right i'm just gonna be huge and stand in front of you so you can uh transform and go sniff out like mystique and they do sniff out yeah, yeah. Uh, it, uh, well spain is like forge mystique is here exclamation point and then they all just like assemble and forge says x factor fan out rain you take the point you can pick out mystique regardless of what she looks like and remember be careful she's dangerous <laughs> i did think this was kind of funny because like forge is can make anything and you know we see him in the Krakoan era making you know these huge fabulous like weapons and it's just like he just shows he's got his metal hand but he doesn't seem to have like anything it's like oh yeah we're gonna hunt this deadly terrorist and I'm just gonna wear like a blazer and like carry no visible weapons while everybody else does the work good job <laughs> so then then you see everybody fan out and Mystique as this disguised as a man just walks by and it's like oh okay well valerie cooper's here that bitch and <laughs> she literally uh, thinks that yeah and she shapeshifts again on the next page you, you see her sort of talking about how their last encounter and how the last issue they baited factor with blob um trying to hijack a, an airplane airport. at an airport if i remember and like like okay blob didn't didn't do a good job oh um, shocker yeah are you saying was, avalanche and blob didn't do a good job for you mystique uh, oh the, the, a, the a team the a yeah. team the a team just wasn't on their a game although i mean listen like avalanche like he did take down guido and havoc so 
I mean, he did. props to him. But yeah, you know, the art kind of threw me off there for a second because so she's disguised as this, the soldier, this man. She shapeshifts back to herself and then very subtly in like the last panel, she shapeshifts into Gabrielle. And, you know, she she's going to go into Legion's room. But when I initially read it, I just looked at the art very quickly. I thought she had shapeshifted into Forge. So I'm reading like the next page, which is Forge's monologue. I think it's Mystique, but it's Forge. And Forge is talking about like how unpredictable, you know, Legion is and that how ironic it would be because we're protecting this mutant. However, if he had been like a public situation, they would be protecting humans against Legion. So he kind of muses about that when Mystique as Gabrielle kind of like comes on in and, you know, she says they have been ordered to cooperate with X Factor in every way in reference to the hospital security to think that such uh, such violent and devastating powers could be locked up within such a sweet and vulnerable child. How could anyone want to hurt him? He's so, so dot, dot, dot. And you know, Mystique in this scene just wants to grab his neck and like just snap it and move on, which by the way, is going to be one of my main criticisms here. Once we, we end the issue, I don't know why Mystique just doesn't do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like her, she's not holding him hostage. She doesn't want anything out of the situation other than she wants Legion dead. And here she literally has his hand, her hands on him. And it's just like still playing the part, you know, in front of Forge. Like she literally could just go snap and then like jump out the window. Yeah, it's it's a little odd. That was my thought reading it too. It's like all she had to do was just like do what you said just like snap his neck but she you know pulls out a uh, a syringe and going to inject him with you know drugs and then shock the real gabriel heller comes in and then like you know it's like don't don't hurt him he's innocent and that sets mystique off and she shapes his back and she's like innocent i'll tell you about innocent like destiny my roommate was a frail old woman <laughs> and uh, again it's the 90s and you can't say my wife and like mystique is like i i was traumatized but i could you know hear her like scream her final sort of like scream in my head and it's like i'm gonna make you feel the pain that i felt and uh and then you know x-factor shows up and Wolfsbane and um, Forge. And, and Mystique yeah. has that syringe right at David's neck. And she goes, sorry, Wolfsbane, but that's not the way it works. Come one step closer and I'll plunge this into the boy's jugular. I, I'm like, why don't you just do it? You know what I mean? Like, again, you don't want anything out of the situation. You're not holding Legion hostage yeah. here. You literally want vengeance against, you know, against him for what he did to Irene. And you're like, you know, just put it in there. But anyways, so she does. She, you know, she says, I don't care. I'm going to do it. And she does. But telekinetically, Legion, like, bitch slaps her away and says, hello, Mystique. I've been expecting you. And the last panel is Legion awake with a smirk on his face and everyone in shock and awe. That last panel of Legion, the art is legitimately terrifying. Like yeah. Legion looks, you know, his arms are kind of like 
crossed sort of like ragdoll like and his head's that sort of like a weird tilt and it's like it's it's legitimately terrifying yeah and i remember seeing that art used in multiple places before i can't think of where i'm i'm actually trying to google right now the fleer ultras but they actually have a different image but yeah i mean this is this is it legion is awake he is gonna have some a lot of explaining to do with with mystique and that's where the issue ends with to be continued and we will pick up obviously with X Factor number 109. But yeah, overall, I thought the I liked the issue. I, I really did. I, I think with the exception of like why Mystique just didn't snap his neck the second she got in there, especially since we know in a couple panels later, Legion will defend himself. So, but I get it. You have to build tension. You have to, you have to wait for the, and Mystique likes an audience. She wants everyone to be there, be like, oh my God, Mystique betrayed us yet again. What? I was emotionally invested in Mystique and she's she had ulterior motives. There you go. Uh, D- David, uh, Legion inherited from his father um, the ability to be like super just dramatic and just like, oh, you know, telekinetically like slaps her aside and it's just like, aha, I've been waiting the entire time. Aha. And it's like, oh, yeah. You know, the apple does not fall far from the uh, asshole tree. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really liked the direction of this, particularly once they get to uh, Tel Aviv in the hospital and it starts to really pick up with like the tension and the drama because you know Mystique is there and you kind of get like X Factor's perspective where they, they know Mystique is there. They don't know who she is. I thought that was a nice, um, nice touch. I, the only question I have, and I'm looking on uncannyxmen.net right now to see if there's an answer for it, is why now is she going after Legion? Obviously, we know from a story perspective, Legion has just woken up. So this is the perfect time for Mystique to come, you know, confront him from an editorial perspective. But in story, she literally just fell off a waterfall, was presumed dead, and then is all, like gets out, like dusts herself off. And she's here, like, I guess I'll go to Tel Aviv and like kill that guy who killed my wife. So, you know, da da da, let me go to the Israeli embassy in New York. It's, I'm in DC, might as well just take the Amtrak over, you know? Yeah. Like, that's the only thing in the story that I don't think it's explained, but I get it, you know, it's, it's for plot purposes, Legion's Awake. Other than that, like, yeah, I think it's a, it's a solid story. I think the pacing is really, really well done. And, you know, again, this is a precursor to Legion Quest. It's, it's interesting, like, the way that you can, you can see it, yeah, obviously building up to Legion Quest. And I didn't think about it until reading this, um, where it's just like, was he just, like, awake in the bed, like we were talking about before, pretending... Mm-hmm. to still be in a coma like or was you know what, like what was what was the point of waiting like I, I guess he knew mystique was coming because i was about to say that right now it's like yeah it's like you wake up you want you have a vision of destiny which he had in the last issue we talked about in x-men 38 he had a vision of destiny about setting you know the world right for xavier for his dad to have a world where his dream comes true why not just get up and go do it but he is getting visions from destiny. So he knows he has to wait at the hospital for Mystique to show up. So yeah, I think he's probably 
pretending to be asleep. Now I'm thinking he's probably pretending to be asleep. But again, you just got up from a coma. Like you said, that's exhausting. Like boyfriend needs a couple minutes just to compose himself. Like it makes sense that he would still be in the bed. But I think for all intents and purposes of the story, he is awake. He is ready to go, but he knows he has to wait there for Mystique. I would be also um, a more obscure X-Men character. I would be pissed if I was uh, Sabra, the Israeli superhero slash mutant. Sabra is a mutant. If people just were like, oh yeah, by the way, we, we came to do some like mutant shit in your country and we forgot to call you. But next time, and I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, she's actually a really powerful mutant. So maybe like, I don't know, maybe, maybe get the super strong and vulnerable woman to come like, help you out but hey you know that's 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 me monday morning quarterbacking <laughs> mission and you know i think this issue too is really important if you're going to be understanding the age of apocalypse because we do get that data dump for legion and gabrielle will play a big role in legion quest she will yes. she will be present there and even at the end of uh, age of apocalypse omega we are going to, she will be there as well. So, you know, overall, great issue. I think the pacing is great. Again, one of the things that I do like about Age of Apocalypse is how far in advance they they plotted the seeds for it. It wasn't like Hoxpox where you just pick up the next issue and boom, you're on Krakoa. Yeah. This one, they, they they took the time to build the story editorially. And and I appreciate it. I appreciate it. it it's it was a fun issue. Uh, I forgot how fun this era of X Factor is. This particular like lineup and team, and it was it was a real it was a nice blast from the past to have like like Havoc, Strong Guy, uh, Wolfsbane, and, and this this like team. Um, it's a fun dynamic, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them again in the next issue of X Factor. Yeah, I mean, you. I, I think you you hit it when you said fun. It's just fun. It's you fun. know what I mean? Obviously, we just dissected the entire issue. So there's some things that were like, mm. but at the end of the day, folks, just turn off your brain and enjoy the story. It is fun. There's a lot that happens here. And we will pick up on our next read on X Factor 109. And it, it promises it begins here. Legion Quest. Ooh. So- <laughs> Yeah. Mr. Scott Free just did jazz hands or wiggled his yeah. fingers. <laughs> spirit, spirit fingers. Spirit um, fingers. So yeah, get excited. Uh, get ready to read uh, X Factor 109. But before we do X Factor 109, we did sit down with a certain X Factor writer, Leah Williams, and we chat with her all about X-Men Black, X Factor, and Trial of Magneto in honor of Trial of Magneto issue four releasing next week. So next week, our interview with Leah Williams will drop. And then following week, we will pick up our Age of Apocalypse read with X Factor 109. All right, folks, I am Dayspring. You can hit me up at Power of X-Men on Instagram. You can try Twitter. I see all the notifications coming in for Twitter. I just don't use Twitter. But Instagram at Power of X-Men, that's where you can find me. And I am Scott Free. You can find me on Instagram at Mr. Scott Free. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Scott Free. I am painfully active on Twitter. You um, are yeah. painfully active on Twitter. I didn't realize it until like I've popped in on Twitter here and there, but you but you're good on Twitter though. Like you you just got you got your wit and your wry humor, and that translates so well on Twitter. 
it's it's I mean, I just it lets me just express the insane stream of consciousness that is in my head. And it's great. It's unfiltered. All right, folks. Next week, our interview with Leah Williams. We'll see you then. See you then.